Hello and welcome. It is I, your gracious host, Caitlin. If this is your first time listening, I graciously open you. Open you? I'm not going to open you. I graciously welcome you with open arms. And if you've listened before, thank you for sticking around and coming back. I appreciate your support. I hope you're all having a great week. Um, my week's been going by pretty slow. This is my last full week <clears throat> here in New Orleans, and I should be trying to make the best of it, but I'm tired and achy, and I'm, you know, just going to bed early and working because I'm a slave to capitalism, like most of everyone else who's probably listening to this. Anyways. Thanks for listening. We are going to just dive into our recipe for this week because I really don't have much else to say. Um, This is another just good old-fashioned, good old-fashioned recipe. Um, It's chicken and dumplings. Delicious. Um, So, let me give you your ingredients here. You're going to need... It says one chicken, but I usually just take like a pound or probably probably like a pound and a half of chicken breasts or chicken thighs, and you're going to cook those up. And then you're going to have one onion, chop it up, chew some bubble gum while you're chopping it so your eyes don't water, one large carrot cut into turds, or you can just get baby carrots. Um, the recipe says celery, but since I don't like celery... I'm not going to use any celery. If you like celery, you do as your heart desires. You're going to get eight cups of low sodium chicken broth and then salt and pepper or as we do it down here, just season your chicken and Tony's before you cook it. And that'll just give you enough flavor. Um, There's a recipe here for the dumplings to make them from scratch. But since I'm a lazy piece of shit, what we're going to do is get one can of Grand's Biscuits, the eight count. Well, yeah, the eight count. Um, and you're going to cut them up. It's You're supposed to cut them up into fourths, but I just find they still get way too big. Um, so maybe try cutting them up smaller, like maybe cut them into like six pieces and roll them up smaller because if you cut them into fourths, you're going to have just giant, balls of biscuit floating around and if you're into that great but unless you want just a mouthful of like doughy gumminess and gravy I suggest you cutting them up smaller so what you're gonna do you're gonna put your chicken your onion your carrots maybe your celery if you're into that into a big pot then you're gonna put your eight cups of chicken broth and you're gonna boil it Once it starts boiling, you're going to reduce your heat and let it simmer for about an hour or until your chicken is nice and tender. And my definition of tender is falling apart. I know that may mean something else for someone else. So, while the broth is simmering for the hour, you're going to get your dumplings ready. And you can make them from scratch. I'm not going to give you the scratch recipe. You're on your own with that one because I told you to use biscuits. Um, 
you are going to, it says you have to remove the chicken and the vegetables from the broth. But when I make it, I just leave this shit in there. I just pop those dumplings in and then um, about 15 or 20 minutes because they like start to float. You're just going to be able to tell when they're ready because they like float to the top. And then you're just going to stir everything together in there. And if your broth is not thick enough, which it might not be, you can get a small bowl with four tablespoons of cornstarch and four tablespoons of water. So equal parts. And um, you're just going to add, dang it, you're just going to add broth a little bit at a time until you get the consistency that you want. Or they usually have boxes where you can buy the seasoning mix for chicken and dumplings and you just have to put in the chicken and biscuits. Um, I don't remember exactly what the brand is called, but that's what I use sometimes and it's just as good. So that's how you do the damn thing. We are going to get into our case for the week. Now, if you remember seeing on social media or if you listened last week, you know that we are doing part two of Heist. Um, I just kind of needed a break from brutal murders and other crimes. So heist and robbery seem like the best way to go. The details are this. This is the heist it never was. So the Carlton Hotel... I know just saying it, you may not be able to picture where I'm talking about, but if you got some context, you would know. Whether you think you're familiar with it or not, it's pretty iconic. Um, It's a big spot for pop culture. It was a setting for Alfred Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief. Um, This is also where Grace Kelly, who starred in that movie, she stayed during the Cannes Film Festival when she met and fell in love with her future husband, Prince... Rainier the third of Monaco. She, a movie star, went to the Cannes Film Festival, met and fell in love with a real-life prince your fave could never. Grace Kelly is that bitch trademark. Like, you go from Hollywood royalty to being actual royalty. The glow-up, when you just think you couldn't possibly glow up anymore, boom, there she goes. I'm a celebrity. Now guess what, bitch? I'm a princess. An icon. An icon for the ages. Anyways, Elton John filmed the video for I'm Still Standing outside of that hotel. Um, During World War II, the beach outside of the hotel was just riddled with landmines and barbed wire. And after the Nazis... How to say that weird? After the Nazis were defeated, France, or as I have it in my notes, French, established the Cannes Film Festival to kind of bring tourism back to the French Riviera. Um, you know, it was like completely destroyed, and um, they just transformed it to a place that went from um, being this like bombed piece of land to a place known for decadence and beauty and wealth. So these are the crimes that happened at the Carlton. In 1994, things were just going on, carrying on as usual throughout the Carlton. The streets were filled with 
rich people buying their rich people things because that's what rich people do because they have money and free time. Tourists were lounging on the beach, but inside the hotel, the guests and the workers hit the floor as they took cover from a gunman. The shots ripped through the air and the jewelry store of the hotel, diamonds and other precious gems. Oh, I read that wrong. I'm very sorry. In the jewelry store of the hotel, diamonds and other precious gems were taken from their cases and were about to vanish forever. The gems were estimated to be between 43 and 77 million dollars. The trio, un deux trois, the trio of assailants took off with the gems. The victims were <clears throat> obviously shaken up. They stood up to assess the damage, um, see if anyone was injured, see if anything was broken or damaged. But to their surprise, there were no bullet holes. The lights, the walls, and everything else in the room was just the way it was before the robbers came in. The robbers had been shooting blank shots. In 1996, the Guinness Book of World Records ranked this crime as the costliest heist in the history of jewel heist. This spot on the Carlton's otherwise flawless past had become a legend. <clears throat> the fake gunfire adds more alert to the story. But the only problem is that before the story got ran by Guinness, there was no other account of this heist. Not even in the local papers. There's no police reports, nothing from witnesses, no descriptions of the alleged suspects. It was a crime that never happened. Even Guinness says that they can't find any evidence for the story, and they published it for years. Even though it continues to be repeated 20 years after the alleged heist. Another armed jewel heist took place inside the hotel. This one actually did set the record for costliest robbery ever, coming to a whopping total of $136 million in stolen jewels. And it was all pulled off by one person in less than a minute. And just the more you look at the heist, the less sense any of it makes. The details are this. It was Sunday morning in Cannes. Billionaire Leave Laviv? I have no, I'm so sorry to anyone. I'm sorry to this man. I could see him walking down the street and I wouldn't know a thing. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. It's spelled like leave, like leave Shriver, but his name literally look, looks like leave Laviv. Leave Laviv? We're going to call him leave. He had his collection of diamonds on display because what else do you do when you're disgustingly rich? Then take your riches and put them on display for the world to see in one of the most decadent places in France. So, Leave was an oligarch from Uzbekistan who became an Israeli citizen. And of course, like any oligarch from Uzbekistan, had tight connections to Vladimir Putin and Russia. No one told the police when the jewels were going to be on display, a red flag number one, and there was no armed security to stand guard outside of the diamond exhibit, red flag number two. The exhibit space opened out onto the sidewalk. 
This allowed someone to walk away with $136 million of precious stones, all of which could have been prevented if the proper precautions had been in place. The first signs of trouble were a security guard on the interior who was standing near the curtains. He stumbled backwards and you see him raising his hands as if he's surrendering. The thief has a bandana over his face and is wearing a black baseball hat. What? <laughs> he, he didn't have the time for a ski mask or like a Halloween mask or anything. He had his hat on. He had it on backwards. He flipped it back to the front, put a bandana on and was like, I'm about to fucking rob this diamond display. So he steps in through the patio doors. He goes quickly around the center display with his gun extended out. There is a white satchel at his side, which they suspect is where he had been hiding the gun. Toward the back of the room, a man and a woman had just started to unload the jewels for the exhibit. Once they see the man with the gun, the man drops to his knees and gets on the floor and raises his hands up in the air. The woman covers her face like Basically, like, she's playing a game of peekaboo with a baby. Like, if you can't see me, then I can't see you, and we can't see each other, and you can't do me any harm. The robber grabbed a black duffel bag from behind the counter and started to hurry away when he just abruptly stopped. What does he see you under? Two trays of diamonds that had already been put out on display. He snatched them up and walked out of the view of the camera. With him went 72 pieces that were deemed exceptional due to their flawlessness and value. That I'm sorry, that just sounded like a description of me. I got taken aback for a minute. So this was some real rich bitch shit. Like in the words of Meg the Stallion, rich bitch shit got a broke hole bitter. One of the gems was a 55 carat diamond, which was about the size of a fun size Snickers. Now, I know you see some very big, very expensive wedding rings from celebrities and such. But you can't honestly tell me you've ever seen a diamond that is the size of a fun size Snickers. They said that whenever you stared into the diamond, it looked like you were staring into a hall of mirrors. That shit is some magical wizardry. There was a 30 carat emerald, a 29 carat sapphire, and a variety of other jewelry necklaces, brooches, um, bracelets, worth more than most people's lifetime salaries, obviously, because most people don't make $136 million in a year, or in their lifetime, for that matter. The thief appeared to have known exactly when to show up, what to expect, and how to get away. Whatever the robber commanded of the workers, they didn't get an accent from his voice, so they didn't have a lead there. Kansas police investigated, but nearby prosecutors conducted their own investigation for insurance purposes to um, just to make sure that the claim was genuine and valid if they were going to pay and how much they were going to pay out. The claim was determined to be valid, but leave only ended up getting about $80 million. Oh, poor rich baby only got $80 million. Um, you're only covered for the replacement cost in, um, with insurance or whatever, and not the entire amount, which like the retail amount, you only get the replacement costs. Um, so he didn't get the full 136 million.
So, I guess a lot of people just think it's weird, as do I, that you would have much, much more security than there was. Um, because, you know, you have a giant collection of diamonds out on display, and the display opens out onto the sidewalk. There's a beach across the street. There's just people frolicking. But um, apparently, the rich and famous who typically dwell there don't like to be filmed or photographed, so there is a lack of security for that reason. Okay. So it's six years later. The case is still open. And there are some theories about who could have possibly committed this crime. Many people investigating have the shared belief that the robber is an inside job. Nobody asked me, but in my whole opinion, I think it was an inside job too. Because who else would know the interior that well? Would know exactly when things are planned, how to get away. They had to know the layout of the building and like the landscape, um, this theory is kind of similar to the Antwerp Diamond Heist theory that the dealer who recruited the robbers um, got the gang to unknowingly be part of a larger insurance scam. And if you don't know that, that means you didn't listen to last week's episode, you don't know what I'm talking about, and you suck. But back to the theory of an inside job, the way it happened, almost like clockwork, it just seemed too easy for just some random passerby to have gone in. I mean, people get lucky and maybe, you know, some people get very lucky, but this just seems like an extreme case of luck. So one theory is that Leave was the target of a knowledgeable competitor and that the thief was an outsider who benefited from the complicity at the hotel. So a diamond rival may have had the means to recut and resell the gems, but maybe not the inside knowledge of timing and the display that it appeared that the robber had. An outlaw employee, ooh, scandal, uh, treat your employees better so they don't be robbing your guests. An outlaw employee could have snatched the jewels, but... A more, I don't want to say simple, a person of lower stature would have a harder time, like, cashing in these gems. Because you don't know, you don't know the ins and outs of jewels, and you probably don't know the black market or, like, any shady buyers or anything like that. They wouldn't know how to get the gems out of the country and into the hands of the right people to be able to get money for them. You have to have a certain level of sophistication. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry can't walk in with a bag of diamonds and be like, I want to sell this. You know, when you sell something of high value, you have to be a business person. Thieves are good at being thieves, and they're not as great at being businessmen. It's harder for them to monetize off of the things that they've stolen. But since the jewelry has been gone for six years, um, it's assumed that this wasn't your run-of-the-mill thief, and they clearly got away with it or sold it. Um, Another source speculated that the Pink Panthers had stolen the gem. They were a Serbian-based organized crime network that were responsible for a large number of jewel heists around the world. Some believe um, the source they got this from 
because the source was also a jewel thief that stole jewelry from New York. He went to the state pen, got out, and went to Budapest. However, the heist doesn't fit the MO of the Pink Panthers. They usually go out in large teams and do these heists and robberies rather than send in a single person. The last theory, which is the theory that I identify with the most, is that Leave organized this heist so he could resize his stones, sell them, and get the insurance money. So essentially, he'd get the $80 million in insurance money while getting to keep his $136 million in precious gems and cutting and selling those. Um, <laughs> the rich get richer. Leave is believed to be in Moscow, where he is a close associate of, like I said, Vladimir Putin, Pooty pooped and safe from outside prosecution. Um, his diamond company is being invested, investigated in Israel after six of his employees, of which included his son and brother, were caught smuggling $80 million worth of gems into the country, the same amount as the insurance money that he got. The case took a very sad turn, however, when um, a woman named Maislow, she was a bookkeeper for the company, and she was repeatedly questioned by the police, and she later fell to her death from the 10th floor of his office building in Tel Aviv. Um, now, his firm obviously blamed the police for driving her to suicide. Uh, the police said there were no, sign, no signs of foul play, so... Um, it looks like it was a suicide, unless for some reason she was just frolicking around on the 10th floor of a building and fell off, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. Um, her family doesn't think that she committed suicide, Leave denies any wrongdoing, and refuses to come back to Israel for questioning. So no one knows for sure what happened to the diamonds or who took them. Rather, it was disgruntled employees a militarized crime organization, or leave himself. This is just the most recent incident in the list of robberies that have happened at the Carlson that remain unsolved. Boom. That was Heist Part 2, Hot and Fresh Out the Oven, just for you. Oh my god, that rhymed and I didn't mean for it to. I'm so impressive sometimes. Anyways, we have new episodes out every Friday at 12 a.m. And this one is going to come out in like less than six hours because I waited till the last minute to record it. Our recipes will be posted Friday on Instagram. If you like this episode, please, for the love of God, feel free to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It's the best way to help get the word out about the show. I am a starving artist. Please help me. You can follow on Instagram at With a Side of Crime or on Facebook with the same handle. If you'd like to become a Patreon member, you can visit patreon.com slash with a side of crime where you will have access to exclusive content and other fun things. This has been a side of crime. I am your host, Caitlin, and thank you for listening. Have a great week.